Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Rob Lewis. Rob and I have actually met, and he told me, not in person because we're, we're in quarantine, but he told me that the reason he, be, he went to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and became a patron of the original cast was because of the teaser that we put out a few weeks ago of the episode of Original Cast of the Movies with Rob Schneider and Robbie Rizell talking about the Village People movie Can't Stop the Music. And that should be all the motivation you need to go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and become a patron of the original cast. You get a thank you on the air. There's other things you get at other tiers. You can get this show a day early. If you you Patreon up enough money, you can get this show on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. Taco Tuesday and the podcast? Yeah, I think so. Either way, you get the original cast at the movies, and you get all the great commentaries from all these great guests talking about all these wonderful and wonderfully bad, in the case of the uh, Village People movie, uh, musical movies from your childhood and from the future and from the from the future? That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and become a patron of the original cast. Thanks, Rob. All right, here's the show. This is a total sidetrack, but I just want to bring it's it up because I feel like you'll you're, you'll understand. And I didn't get to bring it up with uh, with Tara. I hate the new Wicked logo, the more three dimensional one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just think it's dumb. I don't know why. It's it's ostensibly the same as the like the original one on the CD. It's just slightly more three dimensional, and I think it's every brand. I yeah, I don't think I mean, you do. It is. <laughs> I think it's dumb as hell, and I don't know why they did it. And that's that's all I'm gonna say about it. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is the other half, because you just heard the first half of the Off to Broadway podcast. It's Stefania Lounsbury, everybody. Hi. How you doing, Stefania? You know, pretty good. As good as you can uh, manage. <laughs> sure. Yeah, in these in these times. Um, just keeping busy and uh, quarantine, staying home. Good. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. Is you're supposed to stay home. But that's okay because we're not here to talk about a new show. We're here to talk about an old one. What did you choose to talk about? I sent you an email with a long list. I'm sure it <laughs> was probably very difficult. Not at all. Most people probably send you one show. Most people are very decisive. That is but not the true show I chose to talk about is Next to Normal. Can you keep the cup from tipping? Can you keep your grip from slipping in despair? For just another day In the hustle and the hurry want to wipe your worry clean away for just another day. I will keep the plates all spinning with a smile so white and winning all the way. Cause what doesn't kill me doesn't kill me so fill me up for just another day. Yes, just for the record. That it is not unusual at all for people to be highly indecisive about what show they uh, they want to talk about. But I think we should probably start right at the very beginning and say, how did Next to Normal come into your life? Well, it's a bit of a long story. I'm going to bring you through my whole journey here, okay? Good. All right. Rock and roll. <laughs> so, uh, like many little girls, my parents put me in dance classes when I was very young. So, probably from three. And I did it all the way until I finished high school. So, till 17, 18 years old. 
So I was surrounded always on stage, backstage, and the studio I started going to was, they had posters of musicals all over the wall, um, stuff that had played here in Toronto that they had friends in or that they had danced in themselves, the studio owners, and a lot of them were signed. I vividly remember the Joseph poster for some reason, <laughs> because they had a long Toronto run. Um, it was very bright colored. But so I was always kind of, I don't remember the first theater thing I saw or the last theater thing. It was just kind of always surrounding me from dancing and then from watching videos. And it was just a YouTube hole. I fell down watching Tony performances. And I, I think I clicked away from the Spring Awakening Tony performance to the Next to Normal Tony performance. And that was the first thing I saw. And I don't really know what it was about it that grabbed me because it's, I don't know if it's really, or if that performance is really something that should grab a 16 year old, but it did. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a recognized performance, I think. It is a yes. startling performance. I, I think the it's, answer to your actual question is Alice Ripley is what, <laughs> what grabs you and me and everybody else. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, she, she is amazing. And I did actually, so I've seen Next Normal twice, and I did actually see it on the national tour with Alice Ripley. So I, I got to hear her sing those oh, songs good. from very far back. Mm-hmm. But she was fantastic. I also think what grabbed 16-year-old Stefania was Aaron Tveit in a, in a little t-shirt. Sure. Oh, so, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's not to be not I to be. I think he was on Gossip Girl at the time. Oh, yeah. so he's very, very yeah. big. So there was, there was crossover. There was crossover. Sure. A pre-lame is Aaron Tveit. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, that, so you mentioned you saw it twice. And a big thing when I talked to Tara yeah. was about the fact that she sees everything <laughs> twice. And as someone who barely sees anything yes. once, uh, I found this to be, <laughs> which may have some, as we eventually, look, we, we sort of dissected it for a while and settled it on the fact that I have, <laughs> I have three kids is why I, I don't see any, I hardly see anything. Yeah, ones. it's understandable. But do you, is that an active choice like her that you see everything twice as much as is humanly possible? I think Tara is much more guilty of this than me. <laughs> and I will say I've seen, <laughs> I've seen Next Normal twice, but eight years apart. So the first national tour and then a recent production of it. So like very far apart, different productions, Mm -hmm. you know, not like Tara who's seen Wicked eight times and it's the same production every time because there is only one production of Wicked, right? Right. (laughs) Um, So Tara's much more guilty of it than me, but I will go to things with Tara or if I can get a cheap ticket to see something a second time, I'm not going to pass it up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I saw Book of Mormon on lottery three times and by the third time, I was like, I don't know if I need to see this again, but it's $25, so we're going, and we're going to take someone. Yeah, she wanted me to ask you about Book of Mormon. Um, <laughs> that was, it's on my notes here. Ta- ask Steph about Book of Mormon, um, which is mm. my directive from Tara. And we, we talked about <laughs> it on that podcast, so we, we don't have to spend too much time on it here. But uh, w- she and I sort of also agreed on that, that uh, Book of Mormon was a show whose time may had, maybe had come, and maybe if it didn't reopen, that would be okay with everybody? Did you, that you agree fine. with that? That'd be fine yeah. with you too? Okay. I do. I, I think I would be fine with it. Um, the first time I saw it, I was obsessed with it. I saw it alone. I won the lottery. I sat in the front row. It was here in Toronto. I was like so excited by it. The music was so fun. I think it was very familiar because those, mm-hmm. those songs are pulled from other musicals that I love and the energy was high and you know there's a tap number which I love so I really loved it and then the second time I saw it I took my mom and maybe seeing it through her eyes Mm. she did not care for it at all I I was like hmm and also it sagged a lot 
in the second half for me in a mm. way that it didn't the first time. And then the third time I saw it, it was like very close to that second time. Very early in the show, I was like, okay, this is a show that lives on its shock value the first time mm -hmm. and going back and back does not benefit it at all. Yeah. I do. So I think we should probably uh, dig slide off of Book of Mormon and back into Next to Normal. But you, so you say you saw Next to Normal twice. You saw two different productions of it. What was the second production you saw? So I have my two programs with me because Ooh, I have to research. I love visual see. aids. Yes. So this was the tour that yes. came in uh, 2011. Right. So nine years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, and then this was um, Musical Stage Company, which is a theater company here in Toronto that collaborates uh -huh. with Mervish a lot. Um, and does parts of the musical. The year before, they did a fun home, a really great production. Ooh, wow. And so they put together this cast. It was an Asian family at the center. I don't know if you mm -hmm. can see. Um, our Miss Saigon, our Kim from Miss Saigon, the original Toronto one was our yeah. Diana. Oh, wow. And we built a family around her. We had Louise Petrie as the doctor, so they gender flipped that. Mm -hmm. um, it was a really, I really liked the production. Um, it was very deconstructed. You know, they had two levels, mm -hmm. but it was a small stage, small theater, which I think is good for a show that is six people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that production as well. And I thought the cast was great. And it had been a long time since I'd seen it. So mm -hmm. listening to it is not the same as seeing it. Oh me, God, no. No, well, no, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be. If it is, it's, no. it's, it's probably not a very good show, would be my... Yes. My <laughs> I think it, it, it's a show that I'm kind of shocked. We have done it once before on this podcast. So I'm not going to go through the normal plot synopsis yeah. situation. <laughs> um, but I, I am surprised that it ran on Broadway because of how intimate it is to me. You know what I mean? Like you say, it benefits from a smaller theater. It's not surprising to me that it ran here in D.C. at Arena, uh, or then yeah. went to off Broadway. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. But yeah. um, I think actually it was the other way. I think it went from off Broadway to Arena. But in any event, yeah. uh, it, it feels like an off Broadway show more than a Broadway show. And I'm really surprised how it it played. Like, and how did it play in the touring venue? How big was was that space? Honestly, horribly. So it oh. played at this theater in Toronto called Four Seasons Center for the Performing Arts, which is where the opera and the ballet perform. So oh, wow. it is massive. Yeah. And it was the set from Broadway, which is the three um, like stories. Mm -hmm. And we were in one of the balconies. And anytime someone was in that house, their heads were cut off for anyone in the balcony. Oh, I hate so that. So horrible. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Horrible. Yeah. Um, and it's a theater I go to a lot because I love one of the ballets. So mm -hmm. I, and I've learned you need to, to see, you need to be mid orchestra at the furthest. It was not the right space mm -hmm. for it. It was not. Um, so no, it didn't play well there. It did play at one of the smaller Broadway houses. Yeah, the Booth is like, is funny. Booth doesn't have a lot of musicals and when it does have musicals, they win the Pulitzer Prize. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so when, what was it about next to normal though, as somebody who has seen a lot of shows and, and done, so you were a dancer, you say, primarily? Yeah. Not a dance show, if you will. No, I wouldn't yeah. say. Not, uh, it, it is... I mean, it's one of the smallest cast musicals ever. You know, it was it nine yeah. people, and it, it six. is six. So, I mean, that's you know, yeah. that that's nobody really, and, and it's uh, that's a small play. So, yeah. you know, it is a very tiny cast and a and a very um, intimate kind of show. And also, like that's a good point. Not a dance show for somebody who was a dancer. What was it about Next to Normal that like grabbed you so so tightly? I I think a lot of it was the music. I I love like the rock opera feeling of it. Mm -hmm. I don't, 
I don't really love rent. Rent is fine to me, mm-hmm. but Next to Normal was like kind of a perfect rock opera for me. Um, I grew up with my dad, like exposing me to a lot of classic rock music in, in the car. And I think that translated into then telling a story, which is what Next to Normal through that kind of music. And I also love like darkness. Um, mm. I love like the emotion in it. I love a musical that doesn't have a happy ending. I want it to be more really? open or to like grab you. Yeah, a happy ending is fine, but like I I don't know. Like I sent you a list of four, and I was looking at those, and I was like, all of these have the most depressing endings of shows. Like even if they're not sad, they're like medium, maybe hopeful. Mm-hmm. You know. So I that's what I like. That's what grabs me more a story that doesn't necessarily get tied up in a bow, but is like a slice of life. And you can imagine where these people are going after. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to challenge your, your thesis a tiny bit. Okay. Uh, Cause I pulled up the four shows you sent me because mm-hmm. I was very curious as to what the other ones are. And the two is spring awakening, which you just mm-hmm. mentioned. And then the, and then company, which you're right, has mm-hmm. an ambig happy, but ambiguous. Yeah. Ending. It's like unknown, but the fourth show is Billy Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> the dance show of this list. I, I, I will maintain that Billy Elliot has a tragic ending because really, why? I, Ooh, go. So I, I saw Billy Elliot on Broadway, uh, 2010. This is the first show ever show I ever saw on Broadway, and then I saw it this past summer for the second time at Stratford, uh, close mm-hmm. to us. It was a gorgeous production, mm-hmm. and I, when at the end Billy is going off to ballet school, he got in, mm-hmm. and that is wonderful but his dad is packing him up and they've been on strike with the mine for a year and the strike is been unsuccessful. They have to go back to work and the way they staged it, it was like a thrust stage and um, the seats were above. And so the miners would go kind of like the Vivian Beaumont. They would like descend below the audience Mm. back into the mines. Sure. And it was like, Billy was leaving. He was getting to live his dream, but his dad, his brother, Uh, everyone else who was there with him was like stuck in the same place. Nothing had moved and tragic. Okay. I got you. You did. (laughs) You absolutely did. You're right. Because the, well, but it's a lot like company. I mean, in that way, that's sort Mm -hmm. of the, yeah. The protagonist advances they have a happy mm-hmm. ending, but the world is still, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, I've killed the dragon and get like, it's a big happy wedding finale. It exactly. is a, it's not we, so neat. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well done. That's well, what I like more. Point to Stefania. That's what I like more. Um, <laughs> yes, there are points and there will be a winner. <laughs> okay. at the end. Well, so that's, that is interesting that you, because I would describe that, if if I may play into a stereotype for a moment, as atypical of a theater fan. Who the the how old were you mm. when you were seeing the the like Billy Elliot and 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 when Next Normal came uh, out? Sixteen. Okay. Sixteen. Seventeen. Yeah. Like, so high school, high school. yeah. So it would be more stereotypical for a theater kid of that age to like. <laughs> happy ending shows i mean and not even not happy. that you would dislike the ones that are dark but just mm-hmm. be prefer the ones that aren't and it's it has that sort of uh darker twinge of of ending does that carry over all media for you or is it just theater or i think so i mm. i think i like i i like the idea of observing human life mm-hmm. if that makes sense and mm-hmm. 
like it's not so neat just in life. And I like stories that when it's so tied up neat in a bow, it doesn't seem realistic to me. And even though they're singing or dancing or doing all these crazy things or if it's right. a fantasy or whatever, it, the human emotion still has to be real for me. So you can get the girl in the end, but I have to, I want to remember that this person's life is going to go on after this show. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to just be, you get married, you fall in love, and then your life is over and it's happy sailing for the rest of it. It's complicated and life mm. is complicated. And I like that in my media and the books I read and the movies I watch in the musicals I like, mm-hmm. the TV. So it's so. more of a, it, so you do, you like the complexity is something you like to mm-hmm. lean, you like to lean into. I greatly yeah. appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, because it is not, it, it speaks to, to me, something more than just entertainment. I mean, you're going to these shows for, some kind of emotional and intellectual stimulation mm-hmm. above and beyond the over just a wonderful enjoyment of yeah like, you know, and I love that too mm-hmm. but yeah uh I'm also a big crier um and so it's like very <laughs> cathartic to like really just let it go sure uh, so maybe that's also <laughs> well it. and if you want to cry next to normal is a pretty good show this is the show this um, is it how did so you you saw the Tony's performance and then I assume you went out and got the album or did you run and see the show? What was the was it playing? No, I listened to the album a lot. Okay, um, I didn't. I don't even know where I got it. We didn't have a physical copy, but I listened to it. Sure. Um, uh, I just listened to it over and over and over again. And when I saw the ad in the newspaper that it was coming, mm-hmm. I said to my mom, "We gotta go. We're going right." And we packed up the whole family and my best friend. So. My parents, my brother, me, and my best friend, we all went. Wow. And, uh, and we all went and saw it. I don't and know did... if anyone like really loved it as much as me, but actually my brother liked it. But uh, you It's know, not an easy went. show. I mean, it is not a show that... It, it, the show kind of dares you to keep watching in a lot, mm-hmm. of, in a lot of moments. And has i mean it has a pretty big so did anyone know the show besides you when you took no, this whole gaggle nobody. okay so they they were a, <laughs> my parents were always like at all? <laughs> maybe barely <laughs> barely my parents were always like stop playing that depressing music right it's annoying and i was just like <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> it's funny that you bring it up with spring awakening to me um which is a show that, I mean, they, they both have, I mean, they're both kind of, to be fully reductive, emo musicals. Yeah, 100%. Um, Spring Awakening, much more so, I think, than, than sure. Next to Normal. For sure. Um, but it does have that kind of, you know, mopey kind of musical style to it. And I find that ultimately, and I've said it before on the show, and we've done Spring Awakening mm-hmm. on the show, I, I, Spring Awakening is not a show that connects with me in, in, in any way. Um, and... I don't know if I've just never seen a production of it. I like that really grabbed me or, or what, but with next to, I, I do see why the two shows, like you both, you like them both and they get, they yeah, do get at the same together time they both grabbed me. Yeah. Yes. I totally understand that. But I find that the, the musical experimentation and spring awakening, the, the exercise that they're kind of going through ends up being very gimmicky to me. Mm. Whereas in next to normal, I find that, and it's not just the fact that it's contemporary and it's a, a you know asynchronous right. and spring breaking. That is not it. I admire that aspect of it, and I think that aspect mm-hmm. is interesting. But it is the 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 sort of relentless operatic nature of the like you described it as a rock opera, and I think that's a very very 
mm-hmm. accurate description is not quite it's not sung through you know there are dialogue scenes and there very few but yes very few but they, there are it, it does have a you know tom yorkie wrote a book and there's dialogue mm-hmm. in that book um and it but is, i think you can get the whole picture from the cast recording oh 100 percent that you can't with Spring Awakening. You need those books. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Spring Awakening is a show. I, I like Spring Awakening show much better than I like Spring Awakening as an album. I really don't. <laughs> I think ultimately it becomes I'm not a Duncan Sheik fan. I kind of landed on that. <laughs> real. Um, uh, and maybe someday we can devote some time to why that is. But <laughs> I, I just ultimately find that I don't care for his, his music. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it doesn't connect with me yeah. very much. But with... Uh, with a show like this that is sort of like it's it's exhausting next to normal to me it is mm-hmm. in in the best possible way i don't I, I, it's not a criticism i i find that you sort of because i think fun home is exhausting too it, in in a great way it takes yeah. you on such a relentlessly emotionally draining ride and i wonder like the six of you when you walked out of the theater after two plus hours of it was the i imagine you were probably pretty jized and everybody else was probably well, i was drained crying was okay i remember during the end i don't even know it's probably like the i am the one reprise i am losing it crying <laughs> i've been crying for 15 minutes and my best friend who i was sitting next to she like goes to comfort me and i Push her away. I'm like, I don't want comfort. I want to be here with my feelings. <laughs> this is why I'm here. This is what I came for. quite prepared but like i want to like live in it (laughs) (laughs) it's almost emotional self-abuse what you're going through 100 we went out to dinner after we had a lovely conversation everyone was fine (laughs) right so but did the crowd enjoyed it your group they all thought it was pretty um i don't think my parents really enjoyed it um my brother (laughs) liked it (laughs) don't think is it what so what kind of musicals do your parents enjoy? Obviously you're in a musical household, you're a theater, you know, if you're a dancer and things like that. What, uh, well, what my of- mom, my mom was a big fan. Uh, my mom loves Evita. She loves cats. Mm-hmm. You know, the works of Angela Weber are, you know, big much, here. Much respect. Um, I would say, yeah, Evita cats are probably her faves. Loves a West Side Story, loves a phantom, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of that stuff. She had a friend like before I was born who would like give her tickets to stuff. So her, my dad used to go a lot before um, I was born. And then they didn't really take me when I was young. Mm. Um, a lot of, we were going to dance classes every day. So that was oh, wow. what we were devoting instead. Yeah. Um, and then kind of only more recently is like, you know, I've like brought my parents back and I've brought my mom to shows and we've gone to see things together, kind of more of my volition. So yeah, I would say my mom for sure is more of the thing. She watched, you know, the um, 
Cinderella that was on TV in the 60s, like Watch with mm-hmm. Her Mother. And that was kind of like her influences growing up. So more traditional kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and it's, I mean, uh, it's important also to, to at this point, classify Evita as traditional. I, I feel that like we, we classify modern theater as like anything from 1965, which was before I was born. And it's <laughs> yeah, not, exactly. you know, like that's not modern theater. We can come up with whatever name we want for it. Yeah. It is not modern. Modern theater is, I mean, this show is, is 10 years old, 10 plus yeah. years old. Um, because time marches on relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also though a show like this is, I mean, it's a crier of a show. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I don't cry that, during that. Can I ask where is the point where you would start crying? I get it's when she, when, she, when it's when the psychiatrist reminds her of her son in activity. Are you talking with your husband? Well, he hasn't much to say. Is it helping you remember? Remember that's his way. Does the puzzle come together piece by piece and row by row? I don't know. I don't know where the fucking pieces go. Cause I don't know how this started. So I won't know when it's done. Have you talked to your depression, your delusions and your son? What I really like about the way this plot is constructed is, is that you have nobody's making the right decision. I love I love a situation where nobody's making the right decision and everybody's making the wrong decision in very different directions. So Diana is yeah. emotionally it, it, it traumatized and has never addressed that trauma and has never been allowed to address the trauma. Um, and neither the, has, has her husband. Neither well, that's Dan. the thing. Her husband has not addressed it either in the opposite direction, though. He's yeah. just pretending everything's fine. She can't believe anything's fine, and he's pretending right. everything's fine. That's fascinating. And then yeah. their daughter, Natalie, is the result of that trauma. She is, she's dealing with the very real problem that her parents are both bananas. Yeah. And it, it is sort of working its way through the three of them. This, this big problem is, is kind of going to tear them apart and then it's personified by the problem the the, the son who you know Gabe, uh, yeah um the you know it's actually not even true because the song that re- there's a lot of scenes in this show that break my heart and um but the scene that really rocks me out early on is um superboy and the invisible girl superboy and the invisible girl He's the one you wish would appear He's your hero forever, your son He's not here, I am here You know that's not true You're our little pride and joy Our perfect plan You know I love you I love you as much as I can yeah. Which is about as emo as this show gets, actually, now yes, that I say that. really dark, really good. Like, 16-year-old Natalie just, like, being like, Mom, I hate you. You're the worst. Right. And <laughs> like, But knowing oh, why. I mean, I love how smart Natalie is. Natalie yeah. knows what the problem is. She knows that she's, she's, she was born to replace a dead child. And I love that the show is not about her 
finding that out. Like that's the movie of the week version. That's the soap opera version. It's been her life, her entire life. She's acutely aware. That's how abusive her her parents are. She knows what the the thing is. And she's grappling with that being her origin story. And how does that, like, what does that mean about me? How does that mean who I am? And then Diana breaks my heart again by saying, like, I loved you as much as I can. Or I love you, which is, that is real, the saddest line. In it the really is. And there's I a can. lot of those. There's a lot of like. The lyrics are like so. Yeah. Smart and heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. There are they, so many I can like point to that are just. They cool. get you. They get you so deep. So when you, but if, at 16, who were you, were you identifying with anyone on that stage? Or were you just I would sort say of, like Natalie was mm-hmm. the, the one. I was. I'm not as smart as Natalie was, but you know, I spent a lot of time at dance classes. So same as Uh with piano and I was in like AP classes. So I was like studying and doing all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't know. It, I definitely, it definitely was like a Natalie that I latched onto versus a Diana, obviously um, as a 16 year old. Um, And like, those were the songs that I loved and listened to. And even like her boyfriend, Henry was like, I was like, oh, he's such a sweet boy. Let me find, you know, (laughs) you know, like that's what you get as a 16 year old and what you're latching into. And like 10 years later, like more nuance has crept in and like each listen and each listen. But yeah, definitely like Natalie was where like the entry point into it. Mm -hmm. Who was not in that Tony performance. No, well, no, that there's no room in that Tony performance for anyone but Alice no. Ripley. That is, a, uh, she, she is, she is, yes, that is her. Well, and it's really, it's funny that it's, a, I mean, it's, a, it's a star making part for her. She was a known quantity, obviously, before that, before yeah. she did Next Normal. She obviously won a Tony for it. Um, but I don't know any other actor who has, except maybe Yul Brenner, who has like taken on a role as. This is mine, you know, like, and like you say, she toured it after the Broadway production. She came back. Like she's done it many, many times. And I, I have friends who have played this role and I don't know that they would ever do it again. It it is an (laughs) exhausting part. It's it's really rough. Yeah. yeah, and, And I don't, you know, I'm sure that says something a lot. I mean, it's obviously a great part. So, you know, if you can, if you can emotionally get through it, I'm sure it also says a lot about Alice Ripley, um, but, and the peppermint twist, but we, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it really, it, it adds to the lore of this show in a very interesting way. To me. The yes. Alice Ripley of it all. For sure. She seems like a little kooky in a great way. Kooky is um, a great word for it. <laughs> and so I, like, I, yeah, like this role is, hers was it a like when next to normal came into your your life and, and it was it was your show that you were listening to over and over and over again and you saw it was this a real like change for you in your enjoyment of musical theater did you start seeking out things that were more like this or was it just more like you were already deep in i would say that was like the beginning of cast recordings for me like mm. i knew musicals i'd been to theater camp i like at my dance studio they put on like 30 minute versions of musicals Um, at the end of every recital every year. So I'd go and sit in the audience and watch those, like watch the big kids do them. Um, But like Next Normal and Spring Awakening were the beginning of cast recordings for me and seeking out cast recordings. Um, And that's, I guess, like the evolution of kind of into the theater fan I am now versus the theater fan I am before. And what kind of theater fan are you now? I don't know. (laughs) Um, Do you still dance? um, I teach a little bit. 
Mm. I teach little guys, so okay. three and four year olds. If we weren't oh, in the pandemic, little, that's what I do. Very little guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> very little guys. Very nice. Um, so that's that's kind of what I what I still do, and like a lot of things I see, I you know I watch through like a movement lens or a dance lens, but mm-hmm. no, I guess I don't know. I like to know the full story in a way where before I could hear one song and be fine. Now I want the full cast recording. I want to listen beginning to end. I want to know what the staging is. I want to know. It was like the beginning. It was like when YouTube was starting. So I was Mm -hmm. able to go through YouTube and watch every single video on Broadway.com. Go watch the backstage tour. Go watch this person being interviewed here. Go watch Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie like break down them writing each song. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, and this musical has such a long developmental process. So I got to, I learned about that and understood that musicals, didn't just appear somewhere. They took time to develop and mm-hmm. had many productions other places, which I just like wasn't a concept to me before then. Mm. Um, and now it's something like I'm interested in, I love, I seek out. So yeah. So it took you up a level. Sense. I mean, it, absolutely. Well, no, cause there's yeah. an absolute yeah. difference between, and I think it's ultimately the difference between like your parents and you, the kind of theater yeah. dis- description you described is like, Oh, this is fun. And it's his entertainment. And this is where I go. And I love it. Yeah. And I love this how does it like what is this i want to devour all yeah. of this <laughs> yeah when to... they you know when some people leave the theater they're like that was great and then you go about your life when i leave a theater i like read the program cover to cover i want to go online i want to know what the cast has done before i want to like see the promo videos on youtube and that's do you find yeah all right i'm gonna ask this question <laughs> do you find that this is a weird question for a guy okay. who hosts a a musical theater podcast to ask to literally it's a weird thing for me to even think about <laughs> do you think there is too much analysis of let's stick in our lane here musical theater like what you just said to me really rang true in that i love going to the theater and i love going to dinner afterwards and talking about the show we just saw but I also love walking out of the theater and just being quiet for a minute. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. enjoying just taking in everything we just saw, good or bad. And yeah. just going, just sort of taking a breath of the cold air and being like, oh, great. Like here, you know, that was wonderful. And, and just keeping it to myself. And the number of people kind of walking out behind me being like, I couldn't understand a word they were saying, you know, and all that sort of thing really, you know, like chaps my ass in a serious way. And, and it, it is, it, you know, it's a phenomenon in all f- forms of, of art that people want to analyze it endlessly and immediately. But I feel lately, and I'm far from the first person to think this, that mm-hmm. like it's recently come up with me again because the Hamilton's on Disney Plus and like the think pieces have reemerged. The show <laughs> that launched a thousand think pieces has now yeah. lost a thousand more that, in my opinion, largely don't say anything. <laughs> it doesn't, it's just, you know, We're here for the clicks. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly the clickbait aspect of it. And I, and I, that's a business model and I understand it. I don't respect it, but I understand it. Um, but like, I don't really feel the need to endlessly tear apart something that I love <laughs> until it doesn't exist anymore. I like to tear apart everything I love and, and yeah. get inside of it and really like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and roll with it. But then once I've done that, I like to move on, absorb it, kind of move it. Yeah. And maybe that's connected to why I don't see the same shows a lot more, more than, than once. once. Certainly not the same productions because 
I, I want to see something new. I want to see. You've seen you know, that perspective. You want to yeah. see another perspective. And I retain I, it. I that. Yeah. yeah. I, and I wonder how, is this, is anything I'm saying making sense? No, I, I definitely understand. I like, at the end of the day, I love musicals. Like I love sitting down in my seat, watching the musical, like experiencing it, you know, eating my snack in intermission, talking about it with Tara usually. Mm-hmm. And right. going home and talking about it and even if it's something like I don't like I still love it Mm -hmm. but I just I do love to like live inside of it and get inside of it but what you were just saying just reminded me oddly so Tara and I were in New York in December and we saw Jagged Little Pill Mm -hmm. and as we're walking out the theater someone's like wow this is one of the best things I've ever seen and I was like wow to live like that to to have that perspective (laughs) it was fun I loved it we had a great time but you know Oh, imagine we could be that. <laughs> we could feel that way. Well, but that's beautiful. Like I did, Yes, I mean, you're it was. Right. It was great. It was I, great. I, am, I loved I am, hearing that. I am with you in such a specific way because it is that thing of like, I've heard people say that about things that are thoroughly mediocre. Yeah, like, exactly. Not even bad. If somebody comes out of saying like something's terrible and somebody's like, my God, I loved it. I'm like, much respect to you. Much respect. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Much respect. I saw, um, it's been long enough now. I could say this. I saw Pretty Woman and- um, mm, Tara did too. It was a show. It was definitely yeah. a show that I paid money for. And I can one up you. I saw Head Over Heels on Broadway. Which Oh, uh... but see oh, <laughs> see now that's divisive though. I oh. I didn't like it. Okay. Like it. But we sat next to a woman. We sat next to a woman who'd seen it twelve times and loved it so much. Wow. So twelve times. That's unfathomable to me. Yeah. Not only how much money you have to have, but also like they were they were the rush tickets, but still. Even so, the time then. Lot. Let's talk about the time you have to <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's funny. Um, but I interrupted your Pretty Woman story, sorry. I mean, Pretty Woman was objectively not a good show. I think I can right. say that without fear. Of, like, and, and I had friends in the cast, and I would, but it's been closed long enough now where I think I can say yeah. that. Objectively poor. And yeah. there were, but it was a very... Smart. I mean, Jerry Mitchell directed it. It was a very smartly constructed piece of theater. It had a rise to it. It got people. And when that thing was over, man, people were jumping out of their seats. And it was weird, but like fun in another way. I was like, good. I'm glad like everybody's like, these people love it. And hopefully like they'll go see something else now. God, fingers crossed. And hopefully we've, we've got some new theater people here, like who never would have gone to a show. And that's great. And um, I also want to say the re- that show was not bad because of anyone in the cast. The the the, the no. cast was excellent, and I really think that um, the amount of some things the- just don't need to be musicals, and some people just don't need to write musicals. That is that is true. Um, and uh, I, I do some things also shouldn't be musicals now. Um, would be another thing. But I do want to, at this point, stand in front of Samantha Banks for a second and be like, she was great, and I do not understand the, like, absolute vitriol she got for, for this show. Did she? Did she, she really? really? Did. Oh, she really, really did. She got eviscerated, and it was nonsense. She was great. Um, her biggest sin seems to be not being Julia Roberts, which... Right. Her voice is amazing. I, yeah. She looked, she looked great she in the was, red dress. She like, was what? doing so well with essentially what was nothing. There was nothing to hang on to. And she was doing very well. And Andy mm-hmm. Carl's hilarious. So that, you know, yeah, it, all, it all came together. Um, but it wasn't good. I mean, is my, my natural point yeah. is it wasn't good. And so like the, the, but the fact that people loved it is, is, is still kind of like an interesting vibe for me. It, but yes, I've walked out of things where I've been like, that was a perfectly cromulent musical. And had people just like falling over themselves being like, Oh my God, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it is like, man, 
I guess some, there's something for everybody is kind of where I, <laughs> I always end up yeah. with those things. It's like, great. Good, if, good, good job, you. If someone came on the show and emailed you and said, the cast recording is Pretty Woman, what do you say? We'll do it. We'll I'll talk about it. anything. Well, but, but one of my big things is, is, and actually I think this is where, like, I think a lot of people would have been surprised for me to say that there's too much analysis since every week you, you yeah, listen to me what analyze. It's what we I analyze. do. Yeah. But one of my missions in this podcast, I've said this before, is to work against the snobbery that I find, especially in theater, about what is good, like the, the, to like the right things, to like the good things, to only talk about, you know, the, the quality things. And, and a show that would not get covered in that attitude is what we talked about last week with Tara, which is Wicked. Mm-hmm. It, it is a show that a, that a lot of people are derisive of. It is not one of my favorite cast albums in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a solid show. It's very well put together. And obviously it runs forever. So God bless. They're doing something correct over there and it's got so many people to come to the theater and like right. return to yes, other shows absolutely and i think ultimately you've also by saying that you've unlocked something about why i'm sort of like i don't bristle exactly going to see the same show more than once but i kind of <laughs> it kind of makes me kind of tilt my head is that i really wish you would have seen something else <laughs> with that time <laughs> and that new. money <laughs> see something new it's kind of how i feel every time you know my twitter is full of people uh saying things like when are we going to get the Carolee Carmelo Hello Dolly revival. Right. And I'm like, do we have to revive Hello Dolly? We just did it. Ever again? Like, uh, did we need to do it that time <laughs> would be my question also. But it, it is just not, I am very anti-revivals. Oh, whole. interesting. And if I, if I could be president of Broadway, I would say there could be two at any given time, pretty much. Right. And like, Sometimes there is, you know, and some, like yeah. last year there was. Right. And but this year there was a bunch. Or supposed a, to be anyway. Yes. They, they come in waves. Obviously mm-hmm. it is, it is the, the nature and it's the nature of our business and revivals are important. And, and, and for, if you have a really interesting thing to do with a show, especially a very old show, like the recent revival of Oklahoma, right. which is 70 years old gang, the great, like that, that's a reason to revive Oklahoma stage it in the round, do something different with it and try to force it into a modern audience but we don't need to keep reviving west side story damn it and we don't you know like, <laughs> as i drink out of my west side story show cup and that's, it's, it's it's a show that is mm-hmm. is done and can be done on the local level that's where we should be seeing our west side stories people yeah. should be cutting their teeth on west side story it's a good show and whatever and all that great stuff it's also 60 damn years old and let's please For we, sure. we don't need to be doing music man again in my opinion i love we definitely don't love music man it's one of my favorite musicals i would mm-hmm. and i and if it opens i'm gonna go see hugh jackman and sutton <laughs> foster do it but we don't need it i would i don't miss it if it's not there and i think that it, it's that kind of thing of i want to see more new theater i want to see original theater and yes i'm a writer of theater I, so that's i have i do have a dog in this fight. For sure. absolutely but it, it is that's what's much more interesting to me and this is one of those shows also to me is next to normal is a show that's taking a huge swing at something that is like, Oh, that's a musical and, and really going for it. I can't think of another musical before it anyway, that was like addressing mental health, this head on and this deeply before. Mm -hmm. Um, And this specifically, it's such a specific. You talk about the drugs she takes, the treatment she's receiving, how it's impacting her family, like so deeply into it Yeah, um, in a way that, 
something like let's say a Dear Evan Hansen is so general about it, you know? Because yes. I find those that is compared an, a bit. It's that is so an general, excellent way it's to so put non-specific. That. Yeah. We don't know what's like what his health, mental health issues are. You don't know how he's treating it. You know he's going to therapy, I guess. But we just, if we knew more about him, about what was not wrong, but what he was trying to work on, mm-hmm. then maybe we would be able to latch onto his character more. I don't know. You that's no, why. that's great, Stefania. That is like one of the smartest wow. things anyone's ever said Thanks. on the show. I mean that because it is. You really just unlocked one of the things I don't like about that show <laughs> to me is it is playing it's kind of playing both ends against the middle it's trying to have everything all at the same time it was drawn into comparison last year because next to normal and jeremy hansen were playing here in Toronto at the same time so i saw them a week apart so it was like very close together and you know the lead actor um here in canada we have the dora award or toronto we have the dora Mm -hmm. and the categories aren't gendered anymore so evan Mm. hansen and diana were competing in the same category wow like right against each other um I believe she won. Don't quote me. I believe it's a better part. <laughs> it is a better part. It's a better part. She has like, you know, she's funny and she's she's like a complicated, interesting woman to watch on stage. I don't know that we'd ever seen a protagonist like Diana in American musical theater before because not only because of like all the things she has to do and all the things she has to go through and the song quality that she has, but also because one of the whole runs of the show is that her life is manipulated and controlled by the men in it. She mm-hmm. is, and in the original, obviously you can play with this casting, but the original mm-hmm. casting, she, she, the, the, the doctor is a man who is yeah. treating her one way. Her husband is treating her another way. And she is using her son to treat her another way and the one of the triumphs of the finale to me is when she steps out and she sort of says enough is enough she breaks free of all the men in her Mm -hmm. life and kind of proceeds off into the future with natalie and it is going to be this like this is me this is who i am and she breaks that containment i think that's a very very interesting finale yes there's a line i think in so anyway sure. she's singing to dan and he she says with you always beside me to catch me when i fall i never get to know the feel of solid ground at all with you always be I was listening to it today and I was like, oh, I don't know if I've ever heard that line before or understood that she is kind of at the mercy of all these people who are trying to help her, but are maybe like counteracting what what she needs. You know what really struck me listening to it this time? Mm-hmm. You just reminded me of, thank you, because it was something I wanted to bring up. <laughs> um, it's very relevant for the very specific, the thing that makes Dan such an interesting character and the way he's written to me is and very current is that I think traditionally we would describe Dan as a good guy. He -hmm. would get that moniker. He's a good guy. He's trying to help his wife. He's trying to help his daughter. He's trying, you know, his intentions are good. And because his intentions are good, it doesn't matter that he essentially emotionally cripples his wife. Mm -hmm. 
and almost ruins his daughter's life. And it, it, yeah. it we're supp- he would, I think he expects to be excused for his intentions and much of the show's mm-hmm. credit. He is not um, because he is really not addressing his, his problems. He's also not lambasted. I don't, I don't want Dan no. to be thrown in prison. It's, it's complicated. You know? Yeah. It's a complicated, he is grieving, but has not been able to because his wife is going through this much more visible emotional well but i don't think situation. he wants to it's uh, i don't think no, he wants he's to grieve. He's, he's and he's also leaning on her grief in a really mm-hmm. really unhealthy way he's like letting using her, her as a crutch to, absolutely to not deal with his own shit she's grieving she's grieving too much so i don't have to grieve at all because mm-hmm. if i do it'll be bad for her and it is le- but it really like this is something that has come up a lot in the last year this idea of like people who think of somebody as a good guy and how good guys can get away with a lot of stuff. And I, I think that Dan believes he can do kind of whatever he wants in this sense, as long as it's under the intention of like, it can be, it can be hidden under the umbrella of, I was trying to help my wife, even down to like the worst thing he does in the show, which is lie to her about, about um, Gabe even existing in the first place. I mean, it's just like, when he does that, you know it's going to go bad. I mean, you just know mm-hmm. it's not going to work. It can't work. But it breaks bad in, in the worst possible way, I think, which is what he deserves. He deserves mm-hmm. for it to break bad as bad as it does because he – it's an awful, awful thing he does. And, like, I mean, objectively, the worst thing that happens in the show is Gabe's death. Like, that's the sort of, like, worst – Yes. It's a tremendous trauma – and I, 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 I'm not belittling that at all. Just, but just to say, like, there's clearly better ways to deal with it than the way Diana right. does. Mm-hmm. There's sure. better ways to deal with it than the way Diana does as well. But, like, when you have somebody like Dan who just isn't giving you anything real, it's all patchwork and just smile and it'll be fine. You can't, you know, and then at the end, I mean, he's present, he's left at the end exactly where he, he should be. Mm-hmm. which is for the first time in however many years he's actually going to have to confront how he feels and like when he says his son's name yeah. for the first time that's oh, like man. the full, final the oh. final uh moment there's a line in that um i am the one reprise um where they both sing together mm-hmm. i am the one who watched while you die mm-hmm. and it's like obviously he watched his child die but then you know gabe whatever gabe is watched him like slowly slowly you know die a separate like a different Uh, kind of death what was what's your favorite song um i think make up your mind catch me i'm falling i love the whole cast being on there Mm -hmm. um and i just i love all the scenes where she's with the doctor even you know my psychopharmacologist and i those are those two songs i think like go hand in hand when she's with the doctor and trying to i don't know talk to him I, I don't know. I just, I love the layering of the voices. I love the way they use Gabe in it. That mm. he, he's like, his part could be removed and the song would be fine. But the way he echoes certain people mm-hmm. because he's not there, but he's there. Um, there's a moment where Natalie sings or, or Diana says, Natalie, I haven't thought about Natalie in however long. And Natalie just jumps in with like, 
she's not there. And it's just like, <laughs> I'm not going to sing. I'm so bad. And like, that's like. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually, I got to say. Was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my bad voice. Um, that's good. Just like lean, she cuts you in. Just lean and right like the electric that. guitar. Yeah. yeah. I sing too much on the podcast and it's embarrassing and I should stop. I mean, it's a great show. It's a great show. It's worth, it's worth revisiting over and over again, I think from many, many different angles. Um, and uh, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you picked it. I'm really glad oh, we, you, you let me do this instead of spring awakening. Um, <laughs> Tara but, said I should pick spring awakening and I told her she should pick Spider-Man. So the off to Broadway podcast is still kicking out there, yes. even though you guys aren't able to, Take yourselves off right to now. Broadway. Yes, not seeing anything at all. And uh, which you can find everywhere, right? You guys don't have any. Yeah, we're on all pl- podcast platforms, I believe. That's good. Yes, go ahead. Uh, listen, rate, review, kick it up the charts, gang. All those things. It should stay stars. behind this podcast, but it can still be on the yeah. list somewhere. <laughs> um, podcasting is hard. We have to stick together. We're on Mondays. You're on Wednesdays. So That's good. different days. True fact. I just, mm-hmm. like a podcast just shouted me out for something and I subscribed to the, check them out and they come out on Wednesdays yeah. too. And I was a little bit like, you son of a, you don't, that's my day. <laughs> Even though it's, there's 3 million there's podcasts. Days. There's so many <laughs> podcasts in the world. Yeah, but nobody listens on the weekends. So nobody releases podcasts on the weekends. That's um, true. It's only so five day. days. And then there's, you know, Monday is basically Tuesday. Tuesday's basically Friday. And then exactly. what are you going to do? Then the whole week's gone. Thank you so much, Stefani. This is so much <laughs> You're fun. Welcome. This is so much fun. We jumped all Thank over the so place. Much. I have no idea. That's okay. So, this is so much fun. It was Thank it you. was a real treat because I am a fan and a big listener. So to get to come on oh, is very you. exciting for me. Oh, thank you very much. That's definitely staying in. He's not here. He's not here. Well, I know. You know. Make up your mind that you're strong enough. Make up your mind. Let the truth be revealed. Admit what you've lost and live with the cost. At times it does hurt to be healed. In our first session, you told me. Catch me, I'm falling. That talking through your history. Faster than anyone should. Catch me, I'm falling. It feels like it's about someone else. Please hear me calling. Make it about you. Catch me, I'm falling for you. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at UnknownPenguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Stephanie Lounsbury for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. She's not there. She's not there. She's not there. you know and then make it make sense just face what you fear and soon it comes clear the visions are just your defense uh, make up your mind and live at last make up your mind to fully alive embrace what's inside replace what has died then make up your mind you'll survive catch me I'm falling I'm falling, flying headfirst into fate. Catch me, I'm falling. Please hear me calling. Catch me before it's too late. Catch me before it's too late. Catch me before it's too late. Catch me, I'm falling. Catch me, 
I'm falling, catch me, I'm 